The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Tell you what, you don't like my policies, you can just come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. Cat! Pucker up, buttercup. What? Ferris Bueller's online too. Mr. Rooney, how you doing? Listen, uh, I'm sorry to disturb you at work, but I'm not feeling very well today. And I was wondering if it might be possible for my sister to bring home any assignments for my classes that I might need. Have a nice day. Well, that's a clip from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is the work of writer and director John Hughes, who is the subject of our Inside Hollywood feature today. I'm joined by TV host and executive producer of Spotlight, Lisa Cannon. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Well, John Hughes, he's one of the classic film directors. And he's no longer with us. No longer with us, sadly, deceased in 2009 at only 59. So very young. Now, let's talk about his beginnings. How did he get into the business? of making movies. Well, John Hughes, he's obviously a renowned filmmaker and so many people speak so highly of him. He's so many iconic movies, you know, 80s and 90s. I mean, people will remember 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, oh my God, Weird Science and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which we just played. So he actually came from an unconventional non-media background. So he didn't start as a childhood film director like Scorsese. Um, He was born on February 18th, 1950 in Michigan and he moved with his family to Illinois, a suburb of Chicago there where he spent most of his formative years attending a high school in Northbrook and uh, he had a talent for writing I think he just really enjoyed the element of cinema he, he really ha- del- delved his, his little toe into storytelling and that's initially where it all began and he began as a writer then um, You know you go to university and nowadays people might go to film school if they wanted to be in film Um he took a slightly circuitous route. He did indeed. And not many people realise, but advertising, commercials, you know, there's there's so many the ways. Mini movies. Mini movies. I mean, David Fincher, incredible director who we've, we've spoke about on the show, directed Seven. I mean, he started in advertising. And I think if people out there enjoy advertising, making commercials are like short films. So, I mean, the clever, clever ads. It's a 30 second masterpiece of storytelling. Absolutely. And many people I know that obviously direct movies for music also, music videos rather, they enjoy that process and that of course lends then to making a feature film. So everybody knows National Lampoon's Vacation 1983 that was the original script that he sold and of course then made his first movie starring Chevy Chase. Mm. I love that movie. Now you mentioned Chicago and uh, that's his stomping ground growing up and it's also the location of some of his films. Yes, he he really um, leans into Chicago for filmmaking and Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a perfect example of that where they shot the scene where they're all dancing twist and shout in Chicago downtown and actually really funny fact and trivia they actually filmed that in reverse which sounds so strange to create that so that they didn't obviously plague anyone or upset anyone on the day in Chicago and and also Home Alone which we'll speak about shortly uh, has a a very strong connection to Chicago as well so it's always dipped in and out in his movies he just always likes to put it in there And and Ferris Bueller's school was the school that he 
attended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but I think with directors that they like to, uh, you know, I suppose showcase where they came from and I, they're obviously very proud of where they are. So, yes, indeed. And the Breakfast Club as well. There's also links to Chicago with that as well. Now, he obviously had a, a way of telling stories that related to the younger audience. Yes. He had a very strong sense of empathy and realism. And I think that's why audiences love him. I mean, when you look at his cache of work, Weird Science, which many people don't know about 1985, it's kind of a teen science flick, uh, kind of two nerdy teenagers who create this perfect woman using a computer. I remember it when it came out and it was box office gold. I remember being so excited when something like that came out. But then he kind of went a little bit more mature with Planes, Trains and Automobiles 1987. We've that great comedy starring Steve Martin and John Candy. And John Candy and John uh, Hughes had an incredible relationship because John Candy, you know, always kind of delved in and out of his movies. You know, we see him also in Home Alone as well. I mean, that was a great movie, uh, Trains, Planes and Automobiles, which was based on John Hughes' own experience of trying to get back for Thanksgiving. And, you know, with writers, with creative people, nothing is ever wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. True, a lifelong experiences. And I love that movie. I mean, when it came out, I think it's already become a cult classic. But at the time, people really understood the message and the kernel of uh, taking people for what they are, never judging a book by its cover. And John Candy is an imp- improvis- improvisation king. So a lot of the scenes that you will see in the movie is actually ad-libbed by himself. And the own in his own dialogue, but Steve Martin's character, I thought he was wonderful because he's just that kind of straight laced, um, all American round guy who has a heart of gold. And um, the, the movie is brilliant. I mean, it was released just in times for Thanksgiving, and was box office. And of course, John Candy features again in Uncle Buck. In Uncle Buck, did you did you like I Uncle loved Buck? Uncle Buck? Uncle yeah. Buck is brilliant. I think it's one of the most underrated movies of um, John Hughes's career. And you know, everyone talks about the Breakfast Club and you know the Simple Minds track and you know the Bruce Brooding Teenagers. But actually, The Brooding Teenager for me is uh, in Uncle Buck. I just think it's a classic movie that people should mm-hmm. definitely check but out. But then there is that movie that is played every Christmas, year in, year out, and will be for as long as people are watching Christmas movies. And we'll take a clip from it. And don't worry about your home. It's in good hands. house. You're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumb, dumb. You're the only one acting up. Now, get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. This family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. So that's how he ended up home alone. Indeed. I thought I'd pick that clip because there's so many great moments you can pick. And uh, the kitchen scene is really funny when his, you know, family are kind of like, oh, you're such a dweeb or you're this, you know. There's so many in it and it's so classic. And like you, I watch it every Christmas. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen it. I didn't like the sequel so much. Well, uh, Home Alone 
uh, what was it again? The second one, Macaulay Culkin was also in. Yes. But then the subsequent ones, he, he walked away he from. He bowed out. And, you know, it was his breakthrough movie, really. You know, it launched his career as one of the most famous children in the 1990s. But everybody wanted to be Macaulay Culkin. I wanted to be left home alone uh, when I first saw that movie. Now, of course, I didn't have the house they had. Speaking of that house, that house is actually still there and people go and take pictures. But the inside, just a little bit of trivia for you, was actually constructed in a gym. So all the scenes with the staircase and the kitchen and him bouncing up and down on the bed and, and obviously all the scenes where he has the two criminals in the house, that's all constructed in a gym. It was all a so only the exterior shots were So used. only the exterior shot, but it's yeah. still a place of pilgrimage for, for fans of uh, Home Alone. Um, his uh, personal life, he married his childhood sweetheart. He did, and he had two children, two boys, and um, he was obviously an incredible family man. He, You know, his pers- pursuit of filmmaking was very much in his heart of hearts, and he was a very much a visual storyteller. But his children, um, I was reading an interview with them there recently, they want to keep the legacy on, so moving into filmmaking themselves. But, um, you know, as I said, he came from a homemaker and his his father worked in sales. So he never had what most others have in, in media experience. And I think that's what makes him a pioneer. You know, he's a touchstone of the 1980s film world, but he, his work lives on. I know, sadly, his life was cut short at only the age of 59 from a heart attack yeah, while he, he was, was out for York. a walk. Yeah, and I mean, it's awful. Same passing age as my own mother. So I think God's so young. And what he could have done afterwards. I mean, I think he's very much in the Ron Howard wheelhouse. I think his movies have, you know, that connection. They're very empathetic. And um, even though he opted for a quieter life in the public eye, I would have been very interested to see what he had to say as a director now, 15, 16 years later, and what movies he would have made. Now, I found this uh, last night. I was looking up some stuff uh, about John Hughes and Mm. seemingly someone said that he really was uh, a Reagan-type conservative. And uh, PJ O'Rourke in response to that, you know, took issue with it, said, I have no idea how or if John voted. John and I never bothered to talk much about our politics. What we did talk about was the 20th century's dominant scrambled egghead, bien Ponson, Butinsky, Parler, Pinko, Righty Tighty, Lefty Lucy, Nutfudge Notion <laughs> that middle class American culture was junk, that middle class Americans were passive dim bulbs, that America itself was a flop, and that America's suburbs were a living hell almost beyond the power of John Cheever's words to describe. We were becoming conservatives in the most conservational sense. There were things that others before us had achieved, and these were worth conserving. Family was the most conservative thing about John. Walking across the family room in your stocking feet and stepping on a Lego, ouch, was the fundamental building block of society. Oh, well, that's just wonderful. And that's from PJ O'Rourke, a tribute to his friend uh, John Hughes, who yeah. passed far too young. Far too young. Lisa indeed. Cannon, uh, TV thank host you. and executive producer of Spotlight. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. Always a pleasure. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.